This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics that you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time though? Is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode, uh, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend that you scroll up and start from episode one. However, if you are feeling brave and just want to dive in, then don't let us stop you. Here at Get Started Investing, we unpack all the jargon and the confusing bits, hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating. And along the way, we want to have a good time. My name is Bryce. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Uh, Episode two of our discussion of assets. Yeah, back to asset class. We're back in school and we're going to asset class. (laughs) How many times am I going to make that joke? (laughs) I'm not sure, but... uh, it's over. No, 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 no. I will ride this joke into the ground. Um, so episode one of, of assets, we talked about like, what do we mean when we're discussing asset classes and touched on some major asset classes, equities, cash, commodities, debt, which are known as bonds, property, um, and then alternatives, some of your favorites, cryptocurrency, future, oh, art, cars, yes. wine. There's a lot of assets out there. And in the next two episodes, we really want to say, all right, well, they're, they're the options. That's the menu of things to pick from as an investor. What do they What do they actually do? Like th- this episode's all going to be like, why, why would I buy them? What are they, what, what characteristics do they have? What risks do they have? We got a bit of a game, mm-hmm. similar to the Who Am I we played a few episodes ago. And then we're going to put it all together in the in the next episode and say, all right, those those are the menu options. I understand their characteristics now and like why I would buy them. Now, how do I put them together in a portfolio? So we're not there yet, but that's where we're heading. Yes. So let's rock and roll. We spoke about, uh, as you said, the different asset classes. And the good news is that you can buy almost all of them, if not all of them, through the stock market. You can get access to all of them through the stock market. So we're going to catch uh, our conversation in that. Um So we're going to have a look at the key characteristics of some of these uh, assets. And then, yeah, as Ren said, we've got a bit of a game. So let's kick off and define some key terms um, around the different types of assets and how you might cluster them together. Yeah, yeah. So for people who are new to the stock market jargon, uh, welcome. You've come to the right place. We're going to help you understand it because we hate jargon. One of our three official policies here at Equity Mates. Um, you'll often see assets grouped by key characteristics and you might hear terms like 
growth assets, defensive assets, cyclical assets. And so we're going to we're going to go through some of them, talk about what we mean when you when you hear those terms, like what does a growth asset mean? What does that do? Uh, talk about some of the examples and then uh, some of the risks that you need to be aware of with each of these different asset classes. So let's start at the the sexy one. Let's yes. start at the top. Uh, let's start at the one that uh, a lot of young people are very much enjoying at the moment, which is growth. Yes. So yeah, you do enjoy growth when you're young. You do. You <laughs> <Yes>. do. <laughs> yeah, grow, grow, grow. Um, that's the kind of uh, level of comedy you can expect <laughs> here at Equity Mates and get started investing. Um, but what do we what do we mean when like if I say I want to invest in growth assets? What am I talking about? You want to invest in assets that are going to appreciate your capital over a period of time. Um, I mean, of course, when you're investing, that's mo- in part uh, what you're trying to achieve. But um, a growth asset is an asset that, yeah, you can put your capital in and you want that to, I, was, I would say, grow substantially uh, and quicker than perhaps other assets over a shorter period of time or long period of time. Appreciate your capital over time. You've become what you s- you've set out to fight. What do you mean? Oh, is that... Is that jargon? It's bordering on jargon. Appreciate your capital <laughs> yeah. over time. Okay. Uh, make your money grow. Uh, capital being your money that you put in. Appreciate means go, go up. up. Yeah, yeah. So make your money go up. <laughs> yeah, make Become- your money go up. Uh, I would say at a faster rate than if you were to put it in other asset classes. Yeah. Yeah. Make you, make you more money. Make you more money, <laughs> yes. So... When we're talking about making more money, there are are probably two key ways that these things can make you more money. The first way is people are willing to pay more for them in the future. And that's, if you think about art as an example, art has been an incredible growth asset because billionaires just are willing to keep paying more for the same thing over and over again. Cryptocurrency has been an incredible growth asset. One Bitcoin has just rocketed up in value. And so, for people that held it, it's it's been a real growth driver. It's been worth a lot more money because other people are willing to pay more in future. And then the second way that something can grow and, and make more money for you is um, it actually, the thing that you own changes and grows. And we, we think of companies in this way, you know, they uh, take the, you know, they set out, they go and hire the smartest people, they create new products, they find ways to enter new markets, they market their products to sell more of them, all to make more profit, and they actually grow. So that that's that's sort of the growth driver of growth assets. Yeah. I said growth a lot there. Growth. There's no better <laughs> example of a growth asset than stocks, equities. Yeah, yeah. That is probably the, the key the key asset to think about when it comes to to growth assets. This is the example that I always trot out, but I love it so much, so I'm going to trot it out again. When Amazon listed in 1997, it was an online bookseller with about 250 employees doing a couple of million dollars in sales. It, If you just owned that asset, the amount of shares that you owned didn't have to change, but what you owned changed massively. Now it's a you know, nearly a tr- worth nearly a trillion dollars. It's not just a bookseller. It's an everything seller. It does billions of dollars in revenue and uh, uh, employs over a million people. The, the thing you owned actually grew. Mm, mm. Let's chat about risk though, because with growth comes risk and you need to think about, uh, I guess, the risk when it comes to comparing growth assets against uh, defensive, cyclical. So uh, there's no, I guess, doubt that when you're looking at a growth asset, it does come with 
greater volatility risk. And when I say and volatility, uh, the the risk that your the price over a short period of time is going to fluctuate uh, more or go up and down more than say uh, cash, for example, which would be a a lower non-growth asset. Yes. Yes. So. So two two key risks to be aware of. One is the volatility that you were speaking of, you know, like the stock market in 2000 and 2001 during the tech bubble or like the GFC in 2008, 2009 or during COVID, like the price of these things can fall a lot, which, you know, they recover. Well, uh, often they recover, but it, it can move around a lot, which is a risk. And then the second risk is that the thing that you actually own can be come worthless like you can lose your money because a company goes bankrupt or a cryptocurrency is turned out to be a scam or you know um art suddenly becomes less valuable or or something like that and you know there's been heaps of examples where investors have lost money in in individual companies i lost a whole bunch of money on slater and gordon uh dick smith recently well 2016 went bust hih insurance back in the day like um companies go bust yeah so that's that's the risk yeah so then we move to i guess the opposite end of growth which is defensive assets uh you may have heard that term before if not we'll define it right now and a defensive asset is uh one that is not going to be providing as much capital growth and when i say capital growth i mean growth uh on the money that you put in but it will provide uh i guess a more stable, steadier income stream in most situations. And that's why people use defensive assets uh, to complement sometimes their portfolio. You're not going to have as much risk as Ren just spoke about when it comes to losing money. Yes, there is uh, certainly that risk is there, but it's not going to be as uh, volatile as potentially a growth asset. Um, And generally, you would buy into a growth asset to get an income stream rather than to see the money that you put in grow over a period of time. So some examples would include cash, um, fixed interest. And when we say fixed interest, we mentioned bonds in the last episode um, are are a couple of examples. Yeah. You're not always going to get an income stream. Um, If you own cash, that's incredibly defensive. Or if you own gold, that's incredibly defensive, but you're not not really going to get an income stream, but you're right. And and even like some would say property has defensive characteristics. Yeah, um, you can sit on both sides of the fence. Yeah, and the risk here, you it's a lot less likely. Nothing in life is certain. You're not guaranteed to not lose money, but it's a lot it's a lot less likely that you will lose money, but you won't make as much money. Yeah, it is, it is very slow growing, or it pays out a pretty small income stream yeah and so growth and defensive assets when you think about them don't think about them as like two buckets and everything fits in them think of them as like a spectrum and um you know people will talk about things like going up the risk curve and that's going from more defensive assets to more growth assets you take more risk and generally you get more uh potential growth as a result and so like if you think about it like a spectrum on one end, you've, the most defensive, what would you say most defensive is? Gov- cash. Government-insured bank accounts? Yeah. Yeah, and, and cash. You're not going to make money or you're going to make 
meager interest rates from the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not going to lose it. Yeah. Like, um, and we'll, we'll park the whole inflation conversation. But um, cash is super defensive. And then you have like government bonds probably next because it's highly unlikely that a government defaults and can't pay back its debt. As you move to riskier and more growth-focused assets, you start hitting things like property and then higher up the risk curve, but the growth curve as well, you have things like the share market where you have more of a chance that you might lose some money, but you have more of a chance to make some money as well. Absolutely. So those are probably the two main asset, I guess, examples or types, the way that you can bucket assets that you'll come across. There is another one, and that is a cyclical asset. We mentioned uh, what cyclical was in in the last episode, so we won't rehash that. But probably the the asset type that fits within these um, is commodities. Yeah, yeah. Um, And these are, as we said, assets that um, go through a cycle of price fluctuation. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, you can, if you know what you're doing, I think that's the, the key point here is you, that you can buy in and out of these assets if you can understand how their, I guess, price cycle works. Mm. You know, like people, if you're following the news, you might, or if you watched the federal budget um, recently, you may have heard that iron ore is uh, mm-hmm. like going through a crazy price run at the moment. And, you know, at some point that, that price will come back down. Similarly, if you remember during COVID, peak COVID, the oil price or one of the major oil prices went negative and now it's come back up. These prices go up and down and up and down and investors, if they decide to specialize in that and really focus on those industries and those commodities a lot of times can make a lot of money picking the cycle. But it's not something that you just hold for 40 years and shut your eyes. No. No. If you're going to own a cyclical asset, like a commodity index, so like you, if you invest in the oil price, like an oil price ETF, or you invest in a company that is related to those industries, like a oil driller or a mining company or something like that, you have to, you can't just think I'm going to hold it and shut my eyes for 40 years. Yeah. And that's a good segue to thinking about the characteristics of some of these assets when it comes to how long you want to hold these assets for, you know, not all assets are designed to be held for 40 years. As, as Ren mentioned, you might not want to hold a barrel of oil uh, for 40 years because the way that price fluctuates and you, you know, you have no, no idea what, how that's going to pan out. Whereas you could probably make a more confident assumption that holding stocks or a property for 40 years is more of a, an appropriate way to think about that asset mm. class. Mm. Every asset can be a short or a long-term asset because you can just hold it for however long you want. Like no one's forcing you to sell it. No. But it's just about like, it's about the understanding the characteristics of the of the asset and understanding if it makes sense to, to hold it for a short period of time or a long period of time. I can't really think of anything other than commodities like a barrel of oil or a something like that, um, that you would be like, you should only be short term with it. Maybe cash. It's like, you shouldn't be thinking I'm going to park cash for 40 years. It should be, I'm going to park cash for a couple of years maybe and wait for the right time. But you don't want to, you don't want to have that sitting in your bank account for decades. No. But for example, if you're looking at debt, a lot of that is a lot shorter term. Great point. Than if you were- Do you want to explain why? Uh, so as we've said that you can go out and, um, invest in bonds, which are 
I guess, an IOU or you're essentially loaning to either the government or uh, large corporations and then they agree to repay that loan over a period of time with interest. And that's that's the main point there is that it's over a fixed period of yeah, time. So you, a- go, you go in knowing that this is a five-year repayment from the Australian government and at the end of the five years, you'll get your money back and some interest, additional interest. So that's obviously a lot shorter than if you were to buy Amazon for 40 years. Great point. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I think people often get tripped up with on uh, this whole conversation around different assets, um, is there a difference between me buying Amazon stock and Amazon bonds? Yes. Care to elaborate? <laughs> uh, so if you were to buy Amazon bonds, you're as as we mentioned before, you're, you're actually buying or investing in the debt of Amazon and that has nothing to do with the performance of the stock or, or the company. They're just saying we need we need to borrow some money and we're willing to pay 5% for that and we're willing to pay that over five years and you can use that as a way to park some cash and get some income stream. Whereas if you're buying the stock of Amazon, you're actually backing in the performance of the company and the growth of the company and, and as a result, that's traded on the stock market and you're going to see uh, a capital return but you're not guaranteed uh, interest mm. re- repayment mm. from Amazon and you're not guaranteed that you will get your money back. Mm. So Amazon can take your if they if you buy an Amazon bond, they can take your money, can m- make their business a hundred times bigger, can be throwing cash at their shareholders, but you as a bondholder, you don't get anything more. Yeah, you just get your money back and a bit of interest. Yeah. But yeah. similarly, if they take your money and they burn it all and uh, turns out Jeff Bezos just wants to go to space and um, they don't actually invest it wisely. As an Amazon shareholder, you could lose a lot of value, but a bondholder, you'll likely get paid back. Yeah. You'll definitely you'll get paid back before shareholders say anything. So before we move to a bit of a game that is going to talk through, uh, I guess, some personas that might be buying particular asset classes, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, Ren. Well, we did a bit of a who am I when we did the episodes on investing styles. We might continue with that theme and play a bit of a game. I am a dot, dot, dot. Yes. And talk about how there are different, I guess, stages in life and and moments of investing that you'd have to think about different asset classes. Yeah. Now, this game is going to be deliberately general. If you want specifics, go speak to a financial advisor. Um, But- there's certain assets that make sense for certain people at certain stages of their life. So with that caveat in mind and everyone keeping in mind that we're going to be general here, let's talk about um, some different personas and what assets make sense for them. So let's start uh, with, well, I mean, you've just turned 30, so you're not quite this anymore, <laughs> but let's put you, put yourself back in your uh, 20 mid, uh, in your 20s shoes Um I am a young person. Yes. What assets make sense for me? Growth. 
<laughs> Next. <laughs> Next question. Bryce, a one-word answer, Lesky. <laughs> Growth answers. You're young. You have time on your side. You want to put your money into the market and hopefully not need that money for a long period of time. You want that money to appreciate or go up in value. And the best way to be doing that is with assets that are going to grow. You're not necessarily concerned about getting an income off those assets at this stage in life. Maybe later on you want your assets to be generating an income. But right now, young, time on side, give me a growth asset. Mm, mm. With With the whole income point, people often wonder like, because, you know, this is the whole compounding thing that you're talking about there. Like, let buy growth assets, let them compound over time. How does, like, if, if, a, if you do own a stock that pays you a big dividend, is that something you should be avoiding as a young person? No, there's nothing wrong with having an asset that pays a great dividend. My only suggestion would be that you reinvest that dividend back into the stocks that you're, that you're buying or have a dividend reinvestment plan so that you're not actually taking that money out and spending it on a restaurant or, or whatever it may be, because the value of those dividends reinvested back in the business over a long period of time is going to be incredibly yeah. important. That's still compounding. Yeah. Like as long as you're reinvesting it, yeah. if you're getting the if the share price is going up or you're reinvesting your dividends, either way it's compounding. It's just if you do a Bryce Lesky and take the dividends and buy new shoes that you avoid never, compounding. Never done that. <laughs> Okay, next one, Ren. I am nearing retirement. What sort of assets would I be thinking about? So, you'd be thinking about, I'm going to need to rely on this money soon. And so, you wouldn't want to take the risk with growth assets. Or you'd want to you'd want to shift towards defensive assets. And retirement can be long these days. You retire at 60, what's the average age? Like 80 something these days? That's 20 odd years you've got to live. So, you, wanna, you want defensive assets that will pay you an income. And so you're looking at things like bonds, you're looking at property, um, you're looking at blue chip, like you're looking at stocks that are safer. Now, obviously, they're still riskier, but companies like, you know, Woolworths, they're not going anywhere. They pay a strong dividend. They can fund your retirement income. You're not not thinking cash. Well, you'd have more cash, but cash won't pay you income. Gold won't pay you income. Cryptocurrency won't pay you income. So, yeah, as, a, as I'm nearing retirement, I'm thinking about how am I going to cover myself for the next 20 years? I don't want to lose money, but I need to get paid some money. Nice. All right. Uh, this one is probably you. So, you're probably thinking like this. You're nearly at that uh, family formation house buying stage of life. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am saving for a big purchase. If you're saving, you don't want to lose money, obviously. So you want to be looking for assets that really are going to protect protect that as you save for your big purchase. So really, you're thinking about cash. You know, as we said, the government uh, guarantees most banks. I think up to, uh, most of the major banks up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. So look, you might you might want to take the risk and and put it in some assets that are going to to grow and give you some income but realistically you're taking a risk there that you'll you might lose some of the money that you're trying to save so if if you are saving for a big purchase i'd just be copying the the low interest in your bank and uh putting as much money in as fast as possible so you can buy whatever it is and get back into some growth assets Mm. which sucks to hear and especially australians looking at house prices they're like i need the growth from the share market to get to that point but you've just got to remember that it could set you back. Yeah. As much as you think it's going to accelerate your progress, it could also 
derail your progress. And I mean, like, if you don't have a time limit and you're willing to cop being derailed for the chance that you can be accelerated, like, then that's something that you can consider personally. But as a general rule, um, slow and steady wins the race and saving for big purchases is boring, but you'll get there eventually. So, um, to close out, fire movement, what would I be doing? Financial independence, retire early. Well, according to you, I'd be eating beans. Exactly. (laughs) Um, As well as eating beans, I would be thinking if I wanted to retire as fast as possible, I need to think about growth as quickly as possible. And then once I get close to my fire number, I want to pivot but the, the pivot is the really hard thing. And I think a lot of people our age look at fire and think, I've got to get to my fire number and it's maybe what, 1 million, 2 million, and then I can retire. But if you retire at 40, you've got another 40 years to live. And so that balance between defensive and growth then becomes a real challenge for the next 40 years because yeah. you've got to keep up with inflation, you've got to keep growing, but you've also got to pay yourself an income because you've retired early. Um, but in the early stages of fire... It's growth and it's hard growth. Yeah. And I think everyone in the fire movement buys Vanguard's VDHG. So <laughs> Classic. Classic. Um, but yeah, the fire number for me is the easy part. It's a, it's a number that you're chasing. The asset allocation after that, you've really got to think about. Uh, all right, last one. What assets, how should I think about assets if I have no idea what I'm doing in the stock market? Uh, how should you think about it? You should oh, think- No, not even in the stock market. Sorry, no idea what I'm doing with my money. Well, you want to be thinking about the level of risk that you're prepared to take. What are your goals that you're working tr- that you want to work towards? You know, if you're working towards a big purchase and you want to buy a house, then you need to think more appropriately about protecting your money. If you are thinking that you want to put your money to work over the long term, then that will lead you down a path. So, if you have no idea, firstly. Do some reading, listen to a bunch of podcasts, speak to a financial advisor, but don't just start spraying and praying. Make sure you have a clear, I guess, goal and objective, and then that will help help you understand what types of assets you might want to be investing in. Get started, I think. Yeah. Don't don't just uh, don't spray and pray, but get started. The worst thing you can do is just blindly make decisions without knowing what you're doing the equal worst thing you can do is to just leave all your money in cash for all of your working life and never actually get started yes so we'll both uh, as bad as each other yes (laughs) but we'll leave it there um next asset class and the final of this series we're going to be having a look at uh, a little bit about superannuation you can't forget that and also how to build a portfolio of different asset types Uh, through the stock market, of course. We're not going to tell you how to build a property portfolio. That's not what we're about. But uh, we'll give you an example of how you can get access to all of these assets through the stock market and build a bit of a portfolio. So We'll talk about property though. Like if people own a house, they have to think about that in terms of their portfolio mix. Yeah. We'll touch on it. Yeah. That's my commitment to the Equity Mates listeners. We'll sure. touch on it. <laughs> For all of you that own a house, must be nice and we'll touch on it. <laughs> yes. So we'll leave it there. We'll pick it up next week. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. 
Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.